coming in the fall of 2022. Tommy and the Order of Cosmic Champions, a new novel inspired by the toys and cartoons of the 1980s. Click the link in today's show notes to preview now. The book follows 11-year-old Tommy Grant, who is trying to deal with some unfavorable circumstances in his otherwise tranquil life in rural 1980s Ohio. He retreats to the thing he loves most, the Order of Cosmic Champions, a long-running animated TV program and line of toys that provides Tommy with a much-needed boost of joy, especially when he discovers that the manufacturer is holding a nationwide create-a-character contest. The winning design will be made into an action figure and be sold the world over, with its creator becoming president for a day at the headquarters of the manufacturer. But when Tommy's character design loses out, his world begins to crumble, and you can only think of one way to fix it. Find the kid that submitted the winning design and try to convince him to help make Tommy's dream come true. Visit orderofcosmicchampions.com now where you can read about the inspiration for the new book. Watch the teaser trailer. Listen to the official theme song, Stand or Fall by Stan Bush. See action figure designs based on the Order of Cosmic Champions characters and sign up for updates on the novel's progress and upcoming release date. That's orderofcosmicchampions.com or click the link in today's show notes. Tommy and the Order of Cosmic Champions, a new novel by Anthony Rapino and Anthony Great, coming in the fall of 2022. The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Your vehicle to the past doesn't need roads or even 1.21 gigawatts. It's the Retro Network Time Machine with Jason and Mickey! The Retro Network Time Machine is ready to blast to the past. You've got Jason here. Mickey is back with me. Happy New Year, man. Oh yeah, Happy New Year. (laughs) Well, it's not when we're recording, but no, when no. people are listening, it will be the new year. Are you glad that 2021 is done, or are you <laughs> how you feeling going into the new year? Man, every year we get farther away from the 80s and 90s is just a sadder occasion. Oh, um, yeah. All these what? modern years are just reinforcements of how good we had it in the 80s and 90s. Just every year that goes by, you're like, yep, yep, yep it was better then. It was better then. Yeah, what was it? Uh maybe three years ago when we lost some pretty high profile celebrities in January. And, uh, now every time we turn the new year, I'm like, Oh, he's going to die this year. You know, (laughs) because there's like, there's so many iconic people, uh, actors and musicians and whatever that they're not getting any younger. And anybody you're hoping to see go this year? No, (laughs) no. God, I mean, uh, I I wouldn't mind Mariah Carey uh, taking a dive, you know, hey, no. in the new year. But uh, <laughs> no, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But seeing her on my McDonald's menu kind of pissed me off through the Christmas season. But but she give you free stuff. I don't use the app. <laughs> oh. Anyway, I just have that in the back of my mind now. Like you say, I mean, we're getting farther and farther away from the glory days. And who's going to be next kind of a thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm not trying to sound morbid either, but, you know, we've got some fun stuff that's in the back of our mind we want to get to in the new year. So hopefully it'll be some fun things down the road and not all <laughs> dead celebrities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, yeah. though, every, every year, we don't know it at the time, but every year there are new major pop stars and celebrities being born. We won't know it for a few years. But every year we're getting new ones. So, if you say so. Yeah. Uh, I don't watch enough uh, Twitch and YouTube to uh, <laughs> identify those people. No. Anyway, we haven't talked in a while. You've been working away, and Christmas always busy. So, how was your Christmas, man? It was pretty good. It was pretty good. 
Anything of yours? note? Um, well, I mean, I got a pretty swank trapper keeper for Christmas. Oh, yeah. Good for you. Did you like the color? <laughs> I do. I do. The and design? I, yeah. I cleaned all the extra stuff out of it just a couple of days ago, and I'm waiting until I go back to work next week. Uh, I'm trying to decide whether to take it to work and use it there or use it for all my TRN stuff here. Cause you know, I'm an analog guy. I keep mm-hmm. stuff on paper uh, so I could use it for TRN stuff here at home, or I'm really considering taking it to work for all my work documents because eh, sometimes you find yourselves in situations at work that you don't want to be in. Like, I don't want to have this conversation with my boss or whatever, but if you're carrying around a trapper keeper, the mood is instantly going to change. It's going to yep. go from a, uh, what the hell happened with this to, Oh man, where'd you get that? <laughs> right. right, Yeah. It can be a distraction. We don't have many uh, production meetings or anything like that. So I took mine to work to, uh, you know, have when I'm meeting with clients or something and I don't have many of those. So I was like, it's just collecting dust. So I ended up bringing it home and we use it now for our trading card sets. Me and the little girl, when we were doing all those Christmas sets this year, we were logging them in there and she's got one and I've got one. So of the newer ones, I've actually got, I still have my Batman one, you know, that I was putting all of our wax pack flashback MVPs in and that thing's about full now. So yeah, trading cards have uh, overcome my trapper keeper <laughs> space. <laughs> and the wife got so, me a couple of the uh, masters of the universe mega constructs, the big, fat skeletor head things uh-huh. it's got the figure in place set in it so i've got yeah. me a uh trap jaw figure now for my yeah mega constructs that, line that's the only one that i bought from those because i did not have a trap jaw and that's i think the uh one based on the comic book isn't it it's like green yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's a pretty cool one i got a fun goonies game for christmas yes you did i hope it's fun anyway well truth be told i have not tried it out yet but the little girl is primed i got a review copy of the goonies uh storybook for kids and we've read that several times and i did show her the movie one time she was a little probably a little young for it i mean she just turned eight so there were some scary things to her in it but she's primed we'll be playing that uh over the weekend definitely we get some time when uh when uh, relatives are out of town but yeah, I had a pretty good haul. Got some fun stuff from our friends. Uh, Adam sent me a GI Joe puzzle, jigsaw puzzle that I uh, have not put together yet, but uh, very fun. Got a couple DVDs. I got uh, Snake Eyes. I haven't watched it yet. Well, let's cover the DVDs and after hours because I got some stuff too for that. Okay. Some pretty good stuff this year. Speaking of Adam, he found and sent me. From 1981, a John Schneider Christmas album. <laughs> uh, uh, he took the Bo Duke twang off his voice. Now I've heard John sing before, and he's a pretty good singer. So, but uh, yeah, I put it on the turntable and give it a spin. There, I think it was on. I don't know. I listened to it just before Christmas, so it helped set the mood while I was cooking. Oh, speaking of, like right before Christmas, was it Christmas Eve that you dropped your little? Uh story on mm-hmm. in the vip lounge that was mm-hmm. so much fun man i really enjoyed that oh thank you several people i know commented back at you as well but what kind of spawned that i don't know it's just something i thought would be fun and uh to do for the vips is like a so like in a digital world we live in i know we sent out physical gifts to some folks but what can you do do what can you give somebody you know mm-hmm. i'm a guy who likes to give presents that i make a lot of times so and here's something that i thought well i could make something audio and give to them we'll share it with the rest of the world next christmas vip's got a one-year advance copy we'll uh <laughs> we'll put it on the trn presents channel next christmas for everybody yeah. an appalachian christmas carol yeah that was uh which that features was really fun. Further Adventures of Stevie the Tyrant, ironically. It did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is another Stevie story. This is great. So, if you couldn't tell, it was fictional, though. Oh, it was? Oh. Yes, yes. I, I figured it was just, you know, 
you're based well, on your memories, you know, it can be real as you want it to be. <laughs> no, that was great. Cause it was, I think it was Christmas Eve and it was, I planned so, to, you know, on Christmas Eve, I wanted to do it as like, like a Christmas present. I was sitting in my easy chair and TV wasn't on. Uh, I think the little girl had gone to bed by then and we were just about ready to get Christmas going, get the presents out and everything. And I sat down to listen to that next to the Christmas tree, you know, feet propped up. It was great, man. Really enjoyed yeah, that. I know, like Adam, he made my heart warm when he said it was like sitting by the fire, listening to it with the music and the storytelling mm-hmm. and stuff. So for those really of you good. who are listening and wondering, it's an 18, almost 19 minute, I guess almost like an audio book type format that I've done. So an Apple yeah. watching Christmas Carol. So if you want to hear it, go over to patreon.com slash the retro network and sign up and you get access to it. Plus all the other, can we say hundreds yet? Oh yeah. It's podcasts. well over hundreds. Yeah. yeah. Of exclusive podcasts. So the last time I checked was, I think it was around 110, 115, but that was at least a couple months ago. So we got more than that going on there. I, I counted up the hours too. It's at one point, but yeah, we are, uh, we'll tease it. Cause I want to talk just to touch a little bit about it before we, uh, uh, get out of here on the show, but, uh, hoping to kind of beef up all the content over there and give people a little bit more variety of, uh, just exclusive stuff that they'll be able to consume next year. Oh, that's so. funny that you mention it because I've got some stuff to talk about along those lines too. Okay. Some more okay. gifts I'm giving. So. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, why don't we go ahead and hop in the time machine. We're up to round eight of the retro rumble. I don't know how many we've got left in there. I know I added a few kind of last minute today in the lounge that are oh, uh, new those. years related. Yeah. I, I did some new year's ones, So maybe we can, uh, Push that over to after hours tonight if you don't have too much planned. But well, we can save them for next year. (laughs) If we come back around, we're still doing rumbles next year. We'll see. Well, I'm pulling up the lounge. Where did you put them in the in the VIP lounge? Yeah, just in the main channel there. I have to apologize. My Slack no longer works on my phone, so I have to be in front of a computer to see this stuff. And I get busy at work. I keep it open in a window at work, but I don't always get a lot of time to check it. So. I see that Eric watched Boba Fett last night. I'm saving that for this weekend. So I'm going to get to check out the premiere of Boba Fett this weekend and binge watch uh, Cobra Kai. Mm -hmm. I have already watched Boba Fett, and I am teed up for season four Cobra Kai. I see all the the behind-the-scenes talk about the uh, Box Office 30 podcast. (laughs) Yeah, that was... uh, I got on the main channel talking with Pete. They wanted some statistics for a special show that they're going to do. I see them there. Okay, well, let's get this show going. Okay, well, let's jump in the time machine. Round eight coming up for Retro Rumble. All right, here we are, ready to uh, rumble over some Retro matchups, and I don't know. We'll see when we do these New Year's. You want to drop some in here, or do you want to? Yeah, I'm going to start with some of these off your list here. Okay. Uh, stay up till midnight versus go to bed early. I am a go to bed early kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't doubt that in the least. Just because it's your, your work schedule, but it's so hard, even if you're... uh you have the day off the next day you're still kind of in that rhythm of got to get to bed early or whatever it's fun uh being in the central time zone because we usually celebrate at 11 o'clock when new york goes (laughs) off and then we're done you know we we get a little hour early well even when i'm off i do still get up at the crack of dawn 4 a.m or even earlier some days uh, and I've come to embrace that now because it's my quiet time of the week when I can get some stuff done on the computer. I can watch a movie of my choosing and actually enjoy it. And so I get to like seven or seven thirty all to myself. So for the last couple of years now, I'm just like, uh, I'm going on to bed at normal time on new year's Eve and I'm getting up and doing my normal thing on new year's day, which I'll talk about in after hours. I have a 
new little wrinkle in my life with uh, getting up early, but okay, uh, that I really like. So, yeah, I'm a go to bed early guy. Now, when my when I was younger, of course, loved the used to throw up New Year's Eve party and stuff. And then when the kids were younger than they are now, it was kind of fun. They would want to stay up. We'd play the board games and stuff, and yeah. they would generally fall asleep. But then. <laughs> the wife and I were still cleaning up up until midnight and would watch the ball drop. But the last four or five years now, it's just like, yeah, I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah. My kids are still into staying up. So, but they're night owls just as much as me, at least than my older boys are. So it's not too big of a deal. I don't know. We'll see if the little girl makes it this year or not, but it's nice that it's on a Friday. You know, you got the whole weekend to kind of recover too. If you are going to stay up. Uh, resolutions versus no resolutions. I have made a few resolutions over the years and, and I have kept, uh, nothing really hardcore though. Like, you know, I'm going to lose 20 pounds this year or, you know, commit to joining a gym and losing some weight. I have the, the ones that I have kept, I went a year without eating a hamburger from a fast food place. Why would you even do that? I don't know. I thought maybe it would help me drop some weight, but like, no, nothing from McDonald's Burger King. I, it was all just chicken sandwiches, that kind of thing. And I tried to do like grilled chicken sandwiches, something like that. Just to, I don't know, just to see if I could do it, I guess was one thing, but you know, you don't eat that. You're still getting the fries. So it really doesn't matter, but can you do it? And should you do it are two entirely different things. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't know. Well, what what I, about you? Do you keep I am a no resolution yeah. guy because you know how I feel about feeling forced to do something. <laughs> Ain't <laughs> right, no yeah. way it's happening at that point. So <laughs> even if it's me trying to impose it on myself, it's like eh, I'm gonna quit smoking and like two days in, I'm like, You ain't telling me what, what to do. I'm <laughs> firing up a marble. <laughs> Forget this. So yeah, no I resolutions for me. I kind of figured. And this one here is just not even worth asking, but I will anyway. Rose bowl versus sugar bowl. Yeah. There's I, only one bowl. And that's yeah. the sugar bowl. <laughs> On New Year's Day. Yeah, of course. No, period. There's only one. The sugar bowl. <laughs> is the sugar the bowl? bowl. Yeah. The sugar bowl. The SEC. The sugar bowl. SEC so. versus Big 12. And then you not got. Always. Well, I mean, that was the traditional thing. No, that was always the Cotton Bowl. Or is that what I'm thinking of, Cotton Bowl? Yeah. SEC versus who then was the normal setup for Sugar well, Bowl then? It, it never was really said. It usually, I mean, this is days before BCS and all that, the uh, number one team in the SEC always played the Sugar Bowl. Now, they may play the second best team in the Big Ten, or they may play the best team from whatever. The Cotton Bowl was always uh, – SEC number two versus big eight, number two or big or not big eight, but the Southwest number two. Mm -hmm. And then the big 12, number two, when they merged with the big eight, but, uh, yeah, sugar bowl was always SEC number one versus whoever generally, whoever had a shot at the national championship back in the voting days. Mm -hmm. So, well, I grew up in big 10 country, obviously. So the Rose bowl was always one I wanted to watch each year. Because you had the number one uh, Big Ten team, and I believe the number one Pac-10 team, mm -hmm. which, you know, the Pac-10 has dropped off quite a bit. I don't know, last 10 years or so, you got Oregon and who else? <laughs> you know, pretty much out yeah. in the West. But it was, I think, more meaningful 20 years ago. The granddaddy of them all, you know, uh, yeah. Keith Jackson always called the Rose Bowl, but um, that one is more, I guess, along the lines of one that I was always looking forward to to watching. But even last decade or so, when mostly Ohio State was going there, then I, I, I didn't really care. But it's so weird now because you had the mystique, and we've talked about the bowls before, but those bowls were on a pedestal for the longest time. And now with not knowing – well, who's going to be in the national championship and what bowls they have this year that it's going to be the playoff bowls, you know, 
it's lost a lot of that luster because, like you said, it was always like the number one SEC team that went to the Sugar Bowl. Mm-hmm. But now it's they've got that whole thing prearranged almost each year uh, based on the Final Four. Usually you get the top teams from at least two or three divisions, you know. But They need, at this point, I'm going to go off on a little modern rant here. They need to do away with the bowl system in its current incarnation because you look at this year, how many players, good players, are opting out either for going into the draft for COVID reasons or whatever. These recent years, if you're not in the playoffs, those players, the good players, like today in the Purdue game, the best wide receiver in the country setting out, he's like, no, I'm good. I'm not going to risk injuring myself before the NFL draft. So as bad as I hate the college football playoffs, I wish it was strictly a bowl system and we still voted for a national champion. But if we're going to go down the playoff path, go ahead and expand it to 16 teams and make every game in the tournament, give it a bowl name, because otherwise all these players are going to continue to opt out and continue to cheapen the bowl system that has been, like you said, on a pedestal for 70, 80 years. It's quickly crumbling in its current form. And I hate to see that. Yeah, me too. Well, alrighty then let's move on to some other stuff here. Okay. This one is from Karen. Surprise, surprise on the retro network. (laughs) Fonzie versus Mork. I'm going to go ahead and go first. Nobody was cooler than Fonzie. Maybe Mr. T, but Mork certainly was not and for people who don't know the reason this is the matchup was mork had a guest on happy days to spin off mork and mindy and fonzie was a regular on happy days but right it's fonzie all the way yeah i would i would agree i enjoyed mork and mindy i remember watching reruns but yeah i mean the it's the fonz man one can hit a jukebox and make it go you know <laughs> it was it was the fonz yeah uh, always the answer absolutely so yeah, I don't I don't really have a much to add. There's not much of a case, I think, for Mork there. No. It was a fun yeah. character, and it's Robin Williams, for God's sake. But uh, as far as TV characters themselves, it's it's the Fonz. All righty, let's see here. From my good friend Gary at the Retro Network. And hey, people give it up for Gary. He's helping Jason and I out quite a bit. He's uh, taking over most of the editing duties on the site, and uh, we greatly appreciate it. I know I certainly do. I do as well. Uh, a little bit of a food-related question here. A&W versus Barks. Hmm. Now, bear in mind, we've talked before, I'm a root beer connoisseur. (laughs) I have tried over 200 different root beers in my life in travels. Really? Okay. Yes. That is a connoisseur. (laughs) To the name brands. Root beer is my weakness, but I'll let you go first, but just bear that in mind when I start talking about it. I, I know that there are subtle differences, but there's still a root beer flavor a lot of times when you, you know, go from different brands. Uh, And again, you know more than I do about that, obviously. But I would lean towards A&W on this one. It seemed more creamy or frothy or whatever. A&W had their own restaurants or still have, you know, their own restaurants with, uh, what is it, Long John Silver's? I think they, it's that whole brand that they'll do a side-by-side with. And that's what I remember getting, I think, the most over time. My son, my oldest son, his favorite is root beer as far as soft drinks go. And uh, he will specifically request IBC in the bottles. He likes that. And I would lean towards that. And I like the bottle experience a little bit better anyway with all sodas. But uh, I will lean towards A&W. What say you? Well, can versus can, bottle versus bottle, it's Barks. For the fact that Barks has caffeine, so it has that sharper taste. All your other name brands are all unca- mm-hmm. not caffeinated. Of course, Barks don't have restaurants, but the A&W root beer on tap at the restaurants is really good root beer. So I would go Barks, you know, as far as what you can buy at your grocery store, but A&W on tap beats Barks. 
Now, since your son likes IBC in the bottle and you like the bottle brand, I'll give all you listeners a pro tip. As far as mass marketed root beer that you can buy at your grocery store, the Sioux City brand, not the root beer, but the sarsaparilla. Sarsaparilla, yes. Is one of the best on the store shelves root beer widely available that you'll find. So. I'll back you up on that one because we used to get Sioux City, I remember in high school. And I believe it was Sioux City. I don't know if I told this story or not. We were drinking root beer. might have been IBC. But I, Sioux City has the cowboy on the side, right? Right. Coming through uh, the saloon doors. That's yes, the logo. Yes. I think that's, uh, I think that's what we had. So we had two in the front console there. And my bud Wyatt is going down the road. Forgot to turn his headlights on, but had his fog lights on. We get pulled over by the cops. And he comes up there and immediately looks in the window there. What are you guys drinking right there? <laughs> we, we gave him the bottle. It's a uh, root beer, sir. <laughs> or it might've been birch beer. I don't know. Anyway, Sioux city was a brand that, uh, I remember getting a lot of and specifically the sarsaparilla. I, I will agree with that. And as far as mostly widely available, the Boylan brand, B O Y L A N. It's got a yellow painted logo on the bottle. That's okay. a really good bottled root beer too. Stay away from the Virgils. Stay away from dads at the Dollar Tree and all that stuff. Oh it's yeah, all God, I never. I've tried dads once. No, that if stuff's you, nasty. If you've tried as much as I have, the very best root beer you get is anywhere you find an actual brew station, like where they make their own beer. Mm-hmm. If those same folks also make root beer, that's the best root beer you'll find. But we, uh, what's the chain that's near us? Is it? I think it's pies and pints that mm-hmm. has their own root beer on tap. It is really good. Yep. And most of it is alcoholic. It's almost minuscule. It's less than 1%, but it is so mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Cause it's that fermentation that gives it its, it's good flavor. So. Yeah. All right. Let's give this thing here a spin. From Jason, well, we've already done some of yours. We're going to skip yours. Ooh, the next one. I already know your answer. It's from Adam at the Retro Network. Skipping mine. Well, we already done three of yours tonight. Fair Jason, enough. the Wheeled Warriors versus Mask. Oh, yeah. Mask all the way, of course. Yeah, you know me. I never owned a single Mask toy. I have still not watched a single episode of the Mask cartoon. Hmm. I have never watched an episode of Jason the Wheeled Warriors. But I did have some Jason the Wheeled Warriors toys for some reason and loved them. Yeah. Because you could kind of mix and match the parts and pieces on them. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a cool concept at the time. So my limited yeah. experience with the two brands, I'm going with Jason the Wheeled Warriors. I might lean Jason the Wheeled Warriors when it comes to the theme song of the show. I do like the mask theme song and it actually is a three and a half minute song that they condense to the whatever one minute that they do for the uh, cartoons, which is I think pretty rare, but the Jason, the wild Warriors song is great. I did not have any Jason wild warriors toys. And I don't remember seeing an episode nor like, uh, I want to say that was the same company that did silver Hawks like Rankin bass. I could be wrong. I can't remember who did. Uh, maybe it was Deke, which uh, was uh, what Mask did too. But yeah, Mask. I, I got my uh, my '57 Chevy Hurricane vehicle when I was, I think, probably ten or eleven for my birthday from my aunt when we uh, visited my dad's family, and she actually just passed away uh, a few weeks ago, and I thought about that, but. Uh, I was hooked from there and got a lot of the small vehicles and remember begging my mother at Hills to buy the Boulder Hill playset for mask, hmm. uh, probably in around 89, somewhere in there, 88, 89. So I was 13, uh, 14 years old at that point, still playing mask. I just loved everything about it and the, just the the nature of the toys where you can change them in and out. You know, it was almost people uh, will say it's kind of a combination of G.I. Joe and Transformers. But if they would have made them just a little bit bigger, the mask toys to really interact with G.I. Joe, 
I think mm-hmm. that would have been just a, a home run because they're smaller and the figure's a little bit smaller too uh, when you do those. But I think they're great. It's a great toy line. And uh, as good as Jason the World Warriors is too, because there's a lot of mechanical parts and things shooting. And like you said, you can kind of interchange some stuff. That's a great toy line too, but I've always preferred Mask. Well, this one is from Brian Cave at the Retro Network, also at Old School Evil with underscores between Old School and Evil, and author of the book. Uh, it's called Old, Old School. School Evil. Too. It is. It's yep. available on Amazon and uh, in the Kindle version too, I believe. So That's check right. That out. A look back at the uh, bad guys in the world of cartoons from the eighties. Uh, zoo books versus highlights. Zoo books? What is zoo books? It's like highlights, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it features animals and such. Yeah, I don't remember. That was more. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it was very big in our time. I know in my kids' time, it was, of course, bigger than highlights. Okay. I have bad memories of highlights. <laughs> Why is that? Because the only place I ever got to see highlights was at the doctor's office. <laughs> Me too. So <laughs> you just associate it with going to the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Being sick yeah, or whatever. It, yeah. So, uh, I'm going, it's a hard pass on both for me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, yeah. I only remember having interaction, like I said, with highlights and it was probably 90% of the time, like you said, at the doctor's office. And I don't know, I thought it was a fun little way to pass the time because it, you get the little hidden picture puzzles and mazes and, you had the, uh, what was the little family that had like a comic strip in there, Tinker Toes or something like that. I thought it was a fun magazine, and I've often thought of subscribing and uh, getting my kids, you know, kind of in in that world. But I don't, I don't think I've ever pulled the trigger on on highlights. I know they still do them. They still have several different like age ranges now uh, geared towards, you know, whatever grade your kids are in or age range but anyway yeah highlights was all i had interaction with Hmm. ken spaulding our good friend ken who's in the vip lounge all the time got a fun wrestling one here kamala versus papa shango (laughs) well i remember Kamala, and I know you've talked about him before feuding with Hogan, right? For mm-hmm. a while. Mm-hmm. I remember him more as far as back in the day when I was really into wrestling as a kid, uh, when they would have, you know, kind of been at their height of their popularity. Uh, just remember him being more and so much like bigger and <laughs> almost like a, I don't know, like a King Kong Bundy type. That you're just, wow, this guy is, this guy is big. How is Hogan going to take him down? How's he going to slam him? You know, yeah. maybe I'm misremembering, but I, I, no, nope, nope, you're right. Okay. So Kamala, well, what about Papa Shango though? You, you Papa talked Shango, about now he, was he WCW or was he WWF? He was WWF in the early nineties, 91, 92. He, uh, he was the voodoo guy. Had the skull. He went on to become the Godfather years later. Yeah. Same guy, Charles. Wright. Okay. I don't I guess I don't remember much about him. And well, he had a cool look. He he had a top hat and he had a skull painted on his face and he had this voodoo gimmick and he yeah, carried he a was... skull that had smoke coming out of the eyeballs of it. And he would use his voodoo like uh <clears throat> he had like black ink start running down either the ring announcer or referee's face one time and weird stuff would happen to the opponents. Mm-hmm. He uh, made, he got into a feud with the ultimate warrior, made him start vomiting uncontrollably on television. And <laughs> so, and matter of fact, more of, a, more of a voodoo kind of gimmick than yeah. probably what Kamala did. Kamala oh, was just kind of crazy, whatever. Kamala you know. was a savage from Uganda. Savage. Yeah, that's yeah. a good term. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how he was depicted. He started out as Kimala, K-I-M-A-L-A. Mm-hmm. Jerry Jarrett in Memphis created the character Kamala. Him, He said after reading a National Geographic feature on these cannibals from Uganda that they mm-hmm. had discovered. So he created one and 
Uh, Kamala went on to be a big deal in Memphis, feud with Lawler. He beat him. And then Kamala went all around the territories, Mid-South, world-class. Everywhere he went, he was brought in as a monster, ran roughshod over the good guys until the biggest good guy had to put him in his place. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the early 80s, he was in the WWF and feuded with Andre. There is good footage of a cage match with Andre and Kamala from like Mm. 1981. Um, and Andre actually comes off of the top rope with a butt splash on Kamala in that cage match. My favorite memory is just a picture of Kamala. So when he come back to the WWF in 86 and he was being programmed with Hogan leading up to their house show run, they were promoting him on TV and stuff. Well, one of the, he had the King Curtis, Ikea as the wizard was his manager and he graced the cover of a wrestling magazine in 86. And they had photoshopped a picture of Hogan's bloody head from a match on the end of Kamala's spear. (laughs) And it had the headline. It says the wizard tells Kamala, bring me the head of Hulk Hogan. And I was like, that (laughs) is so cool. (laughs) Wow. So Kamala gets the thumbs up from me there. Yeah. I remember now. Papa Shango, I remember even at, as a young kid's age now that I'm looking at pictures that he reminded me of the guy from uh, the James Bond movie, Live and Let Die. It's same kind of gimmick in there where he's got the top hat and the white skull painted on his face. I was like, is this the guy from <laughs> James Bond whatever? But I think Kamala was who I remember most. Yeah, Kamala's had a bigger run throughout history so um we'll do three more here i've got three in a row i don't even have to spin these things so this next one is for me raiders of the lost ark versus the last crusade oh man i it's hard because i went back just i don't know a few months ago on a whim it might have been somebody in the lounge talking about the Indiana Jones movies. And I watched all three again and I was surprised at how much I even put temple of doom close to those two, like for the, in the back of my mind and probably why you picked those was those two are the best out of the the original three and temple of doom always was like a notch lower, but I've moved it up closer. I'll say to both of those, I'm going to vote for last crusade. Me too. Just uh, Sean Connery <laughs> is the is the factor in there for me. That was a part of it, but it also was more World War Two ish. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm big on the World War Two stuff, and it had uh, the first Raiders of the Lost Ark was in World War Two and that stuff, but there just seemed more of it in right. uh, the Last Crusade, and it seemed like the Last Crusade, the search for the Holy Grail, and the Grail Diary, and the hunt was yeah. really cool. So. Yeah, it was. Both are good, but I like the story of that too, and just the ending. It was. It's my ending of Indiana Jones them riding off into the sunset at the end. Yeah. I've gone back and watched four some, but not. It's stupid. It's really dumb to me. Yeah, watching yeah. it now, it's it's almost unwatchable for me. So, Last Crusade is my kind of end to Indiana Jones. In that trilogy, I thought it was just so well done from beginning to end. All the characters were just so great. Yeah, I liked it too. Kevin, we got a TV show question here. We're going to finish with. Well, we got one more after this one. Uncle Phil versus Carl Winslow. So, Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince or Carl Winslow from Family Matters? Mm -hmm. You want to take that one? Uh, this one's tough. They both, and I'm looking at them as if they were real people here. Okay. Cause they both done a really good job acting in the roles. The actors did, but I'm looking at the characters as if they were real. They were both really solid in the type of person they were. As far as uncle Phil doled oh, yeah. out the good advice. He was the heavy hand when he had to be, he was the defender of the family of the nephews when he had to be, uh, Carl was, every bit of that in his own ways on his show. 
I don't think in real life, like if, if you were a foster kid or something, you couldn't go wrong ending up with either one of those guys. So I think they were both top notch. Mm-hmm. But if I had to pick one, I'd go with uncle Phil. Yeah, I would too. Although I will give you a, uh, maybe a reason to watch die hard at one point. Cause, uh, Carl Winslow is in it essentially. I mean, as a police officer, <laughs> mm. so you might like that angle in the movie, but I watched a lot, way more fresh Prince than I did family matters, uh, at the time. I mean, I watched whole seasons of the fresh Prince and I don't remember sitting through an entire season of family matters, uh, being at that, you know, that much appointment television, but yeah, uncle Phil definitely, um, he was so he was just the straight man to everything that will and even jazz and er, anything else, any kind of situations that would come his way. And he was, Mm -hmm. he was hilarious. Just his, his looks. And, but there was, you know, always obviously some serious sides to the fresh Prince too, which is where I think uh, uncle Phil shined, you know, in a comedy, just those, that last, uh, the, the episodes uh, with Will's dad and uh, just kind of rejecting him, you know, and mm-hmm. Uncle Phil doing his best to, you know, say, I got your back, even though he's not here and kind of rejected you. That's a, a really awesome episode. Have you watched the you don't have HBO Max? No. The reunion is really great. And they they talk about him. They have a, an awesome montage and everybody gets just so teary eyed. Uh, talking about James Avery um, and how he was just as a stand-up guy as he was on television, you know. So it's a really fun watch. Uh, if for anybody's listening that has HBO Max and you haven't checked it out, go check it out. Because they even get the two uh, Aunt Vivians together, which had they had never met before. <laughs> <laughs> and there was this whole little animosity thing with Will and the uh, the original Aunt Viv. Right. And getting them together and then them talking with Will and everything, it was it's it's really cool. But um yeah, I'm I'm definitely on the fresh prince side of, of things for really all of the characters, but definitely Uncle Phil. All right. The last one has become a tradition here, Stacy. <laughs> of course. Stacy the closer. Of, gonna knock it out of the park here with MTV versus VH one. <sighs> I, it's, I mean, in its heyday, even both of them, I would say, I don't think VH1 came close to MTV. Now, there was some shows outside of the music, like I Love the 80s. Gosh, I would watch that, marathons of that over the weekends when they would do I Love the 80s, and then they did mm-hmm. I Love the 80s Strike Back, and... It was, it was I love like, the eighties. I love the eighties too. Three D. I love the eighties. Strike back. There was something three D. Anyway, yeah. I think there was three runs that they did with you know each year, mm-hmm. and I love the the people that that came on there and was talking about the stuff. That was just such a great show, and kind of what I modeled my original podcast after. You know, I just mm-hmm. loved that format, but I don't think I've ever tuned into VH1 just to watch music videos. I mean. That was MTV up until whatever, the mid-90s. They were the the go-to place to watch music videos. And VH1 showed, I mean, they they had their gimmicks at some point. I guess maybe I was watching when they did pop-up video. Mm -hmm. You remember that? (laughs) When they would do the little facts. And that was interesting. Uh, And it got me to watch. But it was more gimmicky. You know, I don't know. The the pop-up stuff made videos you'd already seen a hundred times fresh. True. Because you didn't have to pay attention to the video. You're listening to the music and reading the pop-ups. Right. And they were the first that did the, what was it? Behind the, behind the music. Oh yeah. The original run of that was fantastic. Oh, it was so great. Yeah. So see VH1 for its programming, you might be able to make a case against some of MTV's programming, but their programming was great too. You know, remote control and, uh, Beavis and Butthead, <laughs> you know, you get into all that stuff. I mean, how can you compare the two, really? MTV, like you said, during the day, watching videos on MTV was one thing. But in the evenings, VH1 had 
the better program, Rock and Roll Jeopardy. And then when you get to the late oh 90s, God. like we said, with the I Love the Whatevers and the Behind the Music. I used yeah. to watch Behind the Music every night at 6 p.m. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was all these cool bands. And also in the early 90s, when I was staying up late on Friday and Saturday nights, VH1 would show those old concerts like Ike and Tina, and you'd see these mm-hmm. rock bands, and some weeks it'd be Gallagher, a live special from the 70s or whenever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like VH1. Little known fact, MTV becomes such a hit, and how did the story go? There were some disputes. The record companies wanted Ted Turner, not the record company. Yeah, some of the record companies. Wanted try Ted, to launch one, yeah. Well, launched a rival service. It lasted six weeks, and when it was losing money, he sold it to MTV, and they created VH1 mm-hmm. from that channel. Very cool. Yeah. But if I had to pick one or the other with my modern eyes, looking back, this may sound strange, but I would pick VH1 for all the years combined. If you could have everything from when both stations launched till today, which station would you pick? Yeah. I mean, it's MTV. I don't think V8. No, you got all the crap. It comes with all the good though. The last 20 years of MTV ain't worth it. Well, I, what so, what has VH1 done? Uh, well, Kardashians I don't, or what, I, I don't know. Is, is all reality on VH1 now? I really don't know. I don't have cable anymore. I've not watched actual VH1 I, in forever. Yeah. So maybe to make you a little jealous, I picked up from a DVD trader online probably about 10 years ago, bootleg DVD copies of all those I love the 80s and 90s. Yeah. All the versions that I've got they, on DVD. They get up on YouTube for a while and they'll get taken down. Somebody else will post them, then they'll get taken down. So I think there's only clips up there now, which is a well, crying got them shame. All. Got them yeah. all. Yeah. They even have the cool I Love Christmas one they done. Five episodes. Yeah. They did the what they did the nineties, they did the seventies. Mm-hmm. They done toys. I love toys. Did they really? Okay. Yep. I don't remember that. That was a good one. I just but got what into they the done decades. with with like the toys and the Christmas one, it was only five episodes and they covered two years in each episode, but they were still really good. I'm just such right. a music person. I know you're not a, as far as pop music goes, you're links away from me and what I enjoy. So I understand why you're choosing VH1 more for the program. I, I, Rock and roll Jeopardy too. Holy crap. I, mm-hmm. I forgot about that. I bought but a Jeff CD Probst, ROM. host of survivor. Yes. I bought a CD-ROM game to play Rock and Roll Jeopardy at the house. I remember doing that. I was into that so much. Gosh, I wanted to be on that show. Movies that um, rock. They used to show those movies every weekend that were based on music and stuff. So that was cool. I don't know. Just the MTV's heyday. They just created a whole culture, that whole music culture that I just, I can't put anything above that because it was so huge and so impactful and, Everybody that grew up in the early 80s, you know, gosh. Well, my prime time for MTV would have been the very early 90s when you mm-hmm. had the Pauly Shore show and you had Beavis and Butthead and Daria and the early 90s music. You know, the Nirvana was hitting the scene, but you still had mm-hmm. Yo! MTV raps going on and the spring break special weeks and things. So that era was really good MTV. Yeah, spring breaks. Gosh, Yo! MTV raps. I mean, sh- Cindy Crawford's House of Style. Mm-hmm. Really cool stuff back then. Well, that's all the rumbles for this week. So that was a good uh good ending again. Mm-hmm. Stacy the closer. We're just gonna have to pick one from her to close every show, man. Cause she <laughs> she's done it a lot of home runs here. I thought that was gonna be more one sided than it actually was once we talked it out. So very good. All right, so ends round eight of the retro rumbles. And uh, we will jump back in the time machine and back to the present day, tell you what's coming up in After Hours tonight. All right, we hope you enjoyed our rumble through time there. Some great matchups, some fun New Year's matchups that, uh, I kind of came up with the top of my head there. Would love to hear you chime in on those. Of course, we're over on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at TRN Social. 
make a comment there or make a comment on the website, theretronetwork.com as well as we post the show there. And we've got, of course, for our VIPs, a brand new After Hours coming up tonight at 6 p.m. Eastern. We will be uh, featuring what, Mick? Uh, some what have you been watching lately and what will you be watching soon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now that I've got Netflix back, yes, hitting a lot of stuff over there. So we actually have a lot to talk about as I'm <laughs> kind of catching up with uh, some stuff that's been talked about in the VIP lounge as well. So looking forward to that over on Patreon tonight, patreon.com forward slash the retro network. Just two levels now. Since nobody was in the middle level, I just got rid of that. So you can uh, just sign up for a dollar. You get some free content right there on Patreon. Some early uh, video watches there as we post uh, videos over to TRN TV. You'll get early watches there. And some, Nick and I occasionally uh, put pictures up there of childhood pictures and things like that. And uh, If you come to the $5 level, though, that's where you get the VIP lounge on Slack. You can interact with us every day. And also get, of course, all of those podcasts in the VIP vault and the After Hour Show weekly, which uh, we will be hopefully adding some new content to Patreon very soon. We'll tell you more about that. I guess we'll let's save it for After Hours. We'll save it for them. But we're just planning some new videos uh, for TRN TV, some exclusives. And people like our buddy Adam have uh, decided they're going to help us out. So you'll get some uh, maybe Wizards type of content there as well on patreon so we're going to kind of spread the love around hopefully get a lot of people from the network to interact with us over there to give you some great exclusive content for your money so all right well we hope you will join us over there tonight if not we'll have another round of course of retro rumble next week jason here for mickey and we will see you in time Sorry, man. Well, that's okay. One more day, right? One more day. One more day. <clears throat> Not even a full day. Yeah, only ten hours. Eleven for me. No, that's only nothing. Ten hours man. on the schedule. Nah, it'll fly by. <laughs> this has been a presentation of the Retro Network.